Why do they come across like dickheads? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the greatest podcast on earth about nonsense. I am Chris Cash from Outfellow Metalworks, joined by my co-host, Roy the Psychopath Scott from Vintage Axe Works. This is the Axe and Iron Podcast. <laughs> Jesus. You were waiting for it, too. I, well, I was waiting. You're spooling up. What's up, man? Oh, just fucking hanging out, yo. Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday fun day. Sunday yeah. fun day. Working Dude, on I'm some getting, weather. I'm, I'm actually getting a lot done. Yeah, today. I, was, I nice. saw some shit. So talk to me real quick about that thing that you just fucking posted. Dude, the dragon axe. All Dude, it's fucking. It, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm I, super I, happy I, with it. Dude, it. I hate it. Fucking Dude. pains me to say it, but it, it's so, really fucking cool. I didn't carve the handle. It's just a store-bought hickory handle, which is mm-hmm. fine because I wasn't going down that road. But it was so I have a factory axe eye drift from Brent Bailey, and uh, it fits a factory axe eye, like a store-bought handle. So, so I bought it just thinking like, oh, maybe this will work good and look good. Dude, it fit perfectly. I, it hung the, perfectly. Everything went together good on it. The picture that you showed me, it didn't, it didn't look like uh, a factory handle because the fit and finish on it was fucking surprisingly well, good. Okay. And again, I, I hate giving you a compliment. Okay, don't get me wrong. It wasn't a, um, it wasn't a stick right in the hole and be done with it. I did have to, <laughs> I did have to sand it down a little bit. And, well, yeah, uh, that's typical. Yeah, you yeah, don't really have to. Yeah. But, but it was still. super nice, used a nice wedge, everything fit good. So, so yeah. listen, listen. The listen. Dragon Axe! Um, I'm working I have, on it. Oh, sorry, go ahead. So this drift that you're talking about, this like this thing for me is kind of important. Um, yeah. And it's awesome that, who did you say made this drift? Brent Bailey. Everybody knows you. Brent Bailey is a tool maker from California. He's made like... Hand forged like 25,000 hammers. He has a book called 10 Axes where he shows you how to forge every style of axe. Well, he, he shows you how to forge 10 styles of axes. But yeah, super, super amazing blacksmith. And he makes the tools to make tools. So I have a, I've, I've heard of this guy, but I'm not familiar with him. But from what you just said and what you showed me, Every blacksmith out there right fucking now that wants to make a goddamn axe, contact him because he's got good drifts. Don't try to make your fucking own because I have tried to hang so many blacksmith axes. Yeah. Like, you guys are great at making the tools. You don't know, like, the back end, the fit and finish, the wood part. So the the eye shape that you showed me is fucking tits on perfect. Um, Good, right? Yeah, it's fucking perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So good job. Brent Bailey. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. But yeah, that uh, that thing turned out good. And then I'm also working on a, a wrought iron body. So it's the same wrought that I use for the hammers with a high carbon bit in them. And I just heat treated and tempered both of them. The wrought iron one will probably get done later this week. Yeah, no, everything, everything went good. Nobody's here today. It's Sunday. So I got to like relax and just take my time and do some heat treating, do some fit up and yeah. God, your voice got all soft, like you were like going to the bathroom and like oh, kind of performing, 
perform an enema or something. When it is quiet. <laughs> when it is quiet here, it is so oh, relaxing. You can get you can, so much done. You can turn on but, Inya and go into the shop and just Exactly. We were yeah. we were filming um most of the week. Well, the guys were filming most of the week. I didn't really have that much to do with this project other than smash it in the demonstration which is amazing but hopefully that video will be out this week too that was a super killer build um but yeah super dude super good. talking about videos i god like more fucking compliments in one fucking Uh-oh. episode that Uh-oh. fucking bandsaw video like seriously the most overproduced bandsaw <laughs> video ever but it was fucking awesome fuck i hate you awesome thank you glad you liked it i uh yeah, seriously I, it was fucking I, cool I, we shot the power hacksaw video and I was just, I say we shot, I just shot it. So I got one of those gimbals from my mm-hmm. buddy, Kevin. He let me borrow the gimbal for your phone. So no matter what you do, the phone stays steady the whole time. And I shot a couple shots of that amazing freaking peerless bandsaw, which is like mm-hmm. out of this world, fucking cool. And then I did a little voiceover on it because there was a lot of machinery noise while it was running. And mm-hmm. then I got a phone call from our mutual friend, I'm um, mm. not going to mention any names. He may but, or may not live in Texas. And okay. he's like, you son of a bitch. And I'm oh. like, what's wrong, buddy? <laughs> he said, what'd you do? Hire a whole film crew and do your Don LaFontaine voiceover? And that's the guy that used to do the the in the world. You know, the, the all the movie trailers through like 80s. Oh, 90s. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was the guy. So he was pissed, and he's like, I'm surprised you didn't have pyrotechnics going off and all this crazy shit. So then <laughs> the boys heard this conversation, and Matt's like, we got to do it. He's like, we got to do it tonight. Let's set up after we're done filming for the day, because we, we filmed into the evening, and we set up around the bandsaw, and we filmed this. I was like, what are we going to do for pyrotechnics? And, of course, Ilya just randomly has fireworks in his car. Oh, of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> so he brings out fireworks, and we light these fireworks off inside the new new pavilion out there. And, oh, my God. And it couldn't have been any more perfect. Oh, dude. So, seriously. The, yeah, the, was, bl- the blue backlighting. <laughs> I mean, so, it was so good. We had so much fun. So I told everybody, I was like, this is how we're shooting videos on tools from now on. Seriously. I mean, it was like yeah. a fucking episode of like uh, Escape from New York or Big yeah. Trouble Little China or something. That's exactly <laughs> what I was shooting for. That's exactly what we were shooting for. <laughs> but, our, but our mutual buddy in uh, Texas, he's like, he's so fucking... we, we we have two of them. And I'm actually, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, on. Th- uh, the one that loves tools very much. Um, Both of them fucking love tools. All right. Fair uh, Anyway, he said, um, oh, what did he say? Oh, he said, you're fucking raising the bar for everybody now. Now we're all going to have to shoot our video. I was like, I am. I'm going to take the most nonsense tool, like an old hacksaw or like a hand a hand plane and shoot. <laughs> I know Eric loved that video. He messes me. Dude, like, this so is that's amazing. exactly what I thought of. Yes. I saw it. Like I this know. is over the top Eric yep. kind of shit right here. Yeah, it was good stuff. So how's shit with you though? Uh, it's actually going really, really well. Um, I got, hang on one second. Joey's fucking around. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he just busted in and got to get his pig ear out of the way. Okay. Um, um, no, like uh, I've gotten a lot of orders. Um, I've had some shit go on at the post office uh, in addition to the last <laughs> stuff Jesus that we talked Christ. about. I'm serious. Stop with the post office. <laughs> I'm, 
Let's talk about that laminate axe you did. Holy shit, you finally made something nice. <laughs> After all these years of fucking, doing this. You're dead so to did, me, motherfucker. Did, did that sell? Did somebody buy it? Yeah, it did. Wow. Uh, that's awesome. Yep. So um, I've got what all this. accomplishment. That Thank thing you. was just like fucking glass. Fucking glass. Um, that's what it looked like. It straight up it, looked like glass with a piece it, of wood in it. <laughs> it really did. Um I've had problems in the past uh, with uh, air bubbles and epoxy and doing crystal clear epoxy pours is, I mean, it's, it's very challenging for that reason. Right. Um, it shows every little defect. And then on top of that, if you want to polish it, like you're fucking polishing and polishing and polishing to get all those little fucking scratches out. I mean, it can't have any, if you're doing clear, I mean, if you want a matte finish, okay, you're a pussy and you're lazy, but right. if you want like, you know, the glass, like, you know, the look of it, I mean, it takes a while to fucking polish it. Well, dude, let me tell you, the sanding definitely showed in that piece because I know what it takes to get a piece of epoxy looking nice and shiny like that. It's like, holy shit. So, well, yeah. So whenever I was, this is funny, whenever I was doing it and I finally nailed it, I actually called you and I was talking about it. And then you I sound called, like a you sound like a schoolgirl that just. Well, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, I've been the coolest thing ever. That's true. true. I sounded just like that. Um, No, I I was talking to our mutual friend in Texas named Ben Snewer. Oh, Um, yeah. uh, So we were talking about Pollock because he was like, dude, that thing's fucking glass. And I was and we start talking about buffing because I know that, he, you know, he puts a mirror finish on his hammer faces. And so we get to talking about buffers and, and, you know, you know, specs and whatever. And I was like, I've got a horse and a half Baldor. That runs yeah. at 3,600 RPM. And he's like, that's not a buffer. That's a fucking grinder. And I was like, right. dude, it's a buffer. It's a it's a dual spindle fucking industrial buffer. Yeah. And so whenever I'm buffing epoxy, it's like I barely have to touch the face of it because it is spinning so fast. And it's not the, uh, um, the wheel that scratches well it's the wheel that scratches but it scratches it because it gets so fucking hot yeah let me tell you about a game changer that um the boys told me about and they use it all the time eastwood has a variable speed buffer Mm -hmm. that is relatively inexpensive i think it's like 300 bucks and sometimes they run like a hundred dollar off special really that thing is mint i mean you can go from screaming to barely turning and uh yeah it just rips so uh, maybe that's something you ought to look into. Each uh, yeah, and and I th- and I thought about getting something a little different than what I've got. Ben was trying to uh, put me on. Uh, he was saying that Wellshot has a, uh, I think it's like a quarter horse or a third horse Baldor buffer. It runs at like fourteen hundred or something. It's all American made. I, I'm just kind of stuck on that. Fucking I know. But whatever. I don't know. I don't know where this Eastwood one is. Not that it matters. But well, cool. I'm glad everything's all good, dude. I I've been working my ass off on that, and and that's like step one of many ideas that I have coming down the coming down the line. So more to come on that. More to come on that. Good. So um, I just want to thank all the guys that said the nice positive comments, and to my existing customer that bought that. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. I really, really appreciate the business. Hell Seriously. Yeah. And speaking of epoxy stuff, I was working on leather today, 
mm-hmm. and my fucking phone goes off. It sounds like a fucking whenever I make a sale on on the site, yeah, yeah, it yeah. makes like a fucking ka-ching sound, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it scared the shit out of me. And someone bought a fucking epoxy axe that was on my website, like that's just been sitting out there. Awesome. I I like I took them all down and I read yeah. and I put more products on there, but someone just snatched that one up too. So. I haven't looked at all the details, but if you're listening, fucking thank you. Rocking and rolling. Well, the whole reason that everybody is listening today is this is the question and answers episode. Let's do it. Let's get it. We put up a little thing on Instagram on all of our accounts, and uh, you guys fucking filled us up with a shit ton of really good questions. And not as many bullshit questions as I thought there was going to be, but there is a lot of really, really good questions. So... Um, we're going to start off with the good ones right away. Roy, what do you got? What, what do I have? What do you got? Why don't you, why don't you go first? I've been jabbering right. for a while. Uh, one of the last ones, I kind of wrote them in, uh, not in order. They're from back to front. But anyway, are we going to see a Maker's Camp style thing at Mount Phillip Metalworks or Vintage Axe Works? I guess that means like a big gathering of people i've talked about it in the past we want to have three to six events here per year so yes you are going to see something like that at my shop i know roy does get togethers but obviously nobody's doing anything right now because of covid but yeah roy what do you think you're gonna have more once all this bullshit sorted out more get togethers at vintage axe works more workshops and all that stuff yes absolutely and um for the record the guys that signed up at the beginning of the year before everything got shut down, uh, I'm just going to – I've tried rescheduling with all of them, but I'm just going to roll it to the front of the year because shit's really getting sideways and Kentucky's locking shit down. But the yeah. goal is to do um, probably two classes per year and then one, like, drunken beer fest hangout in the fall like I did last – like, you know, last October because that's just fun. I mean, just come hang out, bullshit, bring your axes – we're going to cook meat and sleep yep. nut to butt in a tent together. No, no sleeping here, motherfuckers. Just come <laughs> hang out and get the fuck out of here. Well, they can sleep in the yard. Yeah, yeah, they could. There you go. Couple, what do you got? Couple, um, so this is actually a really good question. What is your favorite thing about working for yourself? What is the least favorite thing? Um, my favorite thing is that... Um, it's it's my own schedule, so I'm not a morning yes. person. And if you and if you watch my Instagram feed, you'll know that most of my work happens in the afternoon toward the evening. Um, I have a morning routine. It's just kind of standard. I get up, I eat my breakfast, I drink my coffee, and <laughs> I get up at <laughs> eleven a.m. And I no, motherfucker, I don't get. <laughs> um, but so that's really nice. You know, my own schedule. Um, yeah. Con- conversely. Uh, and I think you can attest to this. It's this the exact same reason that it makes it really difficult because it never shuts off. Like, yeah, you're you're always on all the time, 24 hours a day. Whenever you go to bed, whenever I go to bed, I'm thinking about yeah projects, future things, business. Yes. <clears throat> Dude, Sooner- I kind of thrive on that though. I like like knowing that there's a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. in the in the pipeline or there's not a bunch of shit and you stress the fuck out and you try and figure out how to make a bunch of shit but yes um, so you and i have talked offline all the time and you you and i say this quite a bit and it's like it's filling in the gaps right so yeah. like my mind is always filling in the gaps so like what's yeah. next what's uh you know it 
Yep. What's next? That's it. So, yeah, that's to answer the question, I think scheduling on both of our ends is great. Doing, you know, you want to take a Monday off, you take a Monday off and then you rock it out. You know, you can you set your own schedule and do what you want. I, on the other hand, I love morning. I'm, I'm up early every morning because nobody's here yet. So mm-hmm. it's great for me. I love mornings. But yeah, so scheduling would be like the number one thing. And then least favorite, I think we both agree that, uh, you know, make it shit happen and like trying to figure out what the next step is. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's really easy to get trapped in, in weekly and monthly and quarterly goals. But yep. I don't, man, my wife, she's an absolute fucking killer and she's been on my ass, uh, just about numbers, numbers, numbers. So, um, if you don't work Monday, you got to work twice as hard on Tuesday. And That's if this it. week, and if this week doesn't pan out, you better fucking crank it up because you want your, you know, the end of the month to look good. So it's all right a matter on. of like, do you, how much money do you want to make at this the end of the month or the quarter? Yeah, exactly. Money, money might not be your goal, but you may have other goals sure. that you want to do. Yeah. So, uh, next question that was, is, that, that was a really good question. That was a great question. I, we don't know who asked it, but thank you. Um, how do you decide on which makers you're going to get for the show? That's Basically, great question. we just bounce ideas off of each other, and then we get together and we talk about it. If I think somebody's really interesting and Roy knows nothing about it, then that makes for a great, great guest for a show. But um, just genuinely, genuinely interesting people that are making – just great stuff or they're making a living for themselves. I think that's basically how we're doing it. Do you agree? Um, yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and there have been people on the show that neither one of us know. And it's, yeah. we're going, we're going at it blind um, because yep. we've seen shit that they're making and it just looks cool. It doesn't have to be even related to what we're doing. Um, those, so are yeah, some that, my, those are some of my favorite guests too. The ones that we know, we, neither of us know anything about. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes for a great guest. Yeah. So, yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> You're was, up. What do you got? Uh, uh, so I don't know who this is geared toward, uh, me or you, but uh, why are you fucking laughing at me all the time? <laughs> Your face. Your fucking uh, face. Good. I was born with this fucking. God <laughs> uh, Weirdest barn find oh, ever. <laughs> I had that. That's a good down. one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I uh, I actually have a. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you, you, I found a whole, um, searching through tools in a barn. I found a two cases of, um, embalming fluid that would have been used like at a, uh, mortuary or a uh, funeral home to get a body ready prior to really, yeah, I opened them up. They were in these really antique, um, dovetailed chestnut boxes or something, Really super cool looking. I open it up thinking it's going to be some old man's toolbox that he had back in the early. And I open it and it smells super funny. And there's all these glass jars and I wipe the lid off and I read embalming fluid. And I was like, oh, my. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was a weird one. What do you got? Have you had any weird barn finds? Um, you know, not really. I mean, I've had really good scores, but not yeah. not like weird shit. You're not like super digging around in barns looking for axes anyway. No. Um, like one of the cooler stories, we were up in Michigan a couple of years ago, and we went to a flea market, or uh, just a an antique mall, 
and there were no axes in there at all, but there was a plum uh, sheath, and I took it up, and it was like five bucks or something, and I handed it to the lady, and I was like, do you know anyone around here that sells this sort of stuff? And she was like, well, my husband collects axes, and he's got this cabin, blah, 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 and so we called, and we drove over to his cabin, and he's like, well, if you like this stuff, my buddy down the road, he's got all sorts of stuff, and he doesn't give a fuck about axes. He likes, you know, gas and oil car stuff or whatever. So we go to his place, and we walk into this guy's barn, and he's got these huge signs everywhere. He's got a fucking TV set up in his in his garage. He's got a lazy boy there. He's got a workbench. Like, this dude does not go to his house. He lives in his fucking barn. <laughs> and we're just kind of milling around right at the beginning, and he's got a fucking... Uh, 1800s Kelly Perfect beveled uh, head sitting there, and I was like, oh my god, because I had never seen one of those before, and I was just like crazy excited, and uh, of course I asked him, well, do you have any Black Ravens, and he was like, yeah, I got one, it's, it's back on the, and he had like racks and racks and racks, like those industrial, like orange industrial no racks, you were talking, yeah, yeah. Buck, buckets full of everything imaginable, and he's like, yeah, there's a Black Raven back there, just buried or whatever, and I was like, can I go back and look for it? And, you know, we start picking through everything. And we were there for who knows how long. But um, we found a lot of really cool axes, including the Black Raven, the Kelly Perfect uh, jersey. Or not jersey, the just Kelly Perfect uh, Louisville pattern. Um, so that was probably one of the best picking experiences of my life. Oh, for yeah. the record, For the record, I'd like to tell the listeners that that Kelly Perfect was $80. <laughs> that's like rock bottom like no i wouldn't sell the thing for less than a thousand bucks oh okay well there you go yeah where do you find your inspiration to create oh god that's a that's, that's a really good that's getting deep i'm gonna i'm gonna give a shout out to brandon for asking that question that was a good like it was a good question it's a great question it's <laughs> a great question uh you know what I think it's very obvious in the shit that I do. A lot of my shit comes from like underwater sea creatures and my infatuation with the ocean and just weird shit. Um, and then obviously the tools and stuff that I'm making, I'm uh, just kind of keeping old tradition alive and try to try to learn the, as best I can. Um, I'm really, I'm really kind of at this weird spot in, uh, blacksmithing where you know the inspiration comes from all over the place i think nature's nature's a lot of it and um yeah so we're having tech roy you're muted and yeah he okay so where do you find inspiration from <laughs> i don't know what i just missed i had to stoke the fire um <laughs> um where do I find inspiration? You know, that's a that's a really hard thing to answer uh, because I used to follow a lot of people and I found inspiration in what they were doing. But now that I'm kind of, you know, years into this, I uh, I just try to push myself as hard as I can. I, I try to look for things that don't exist. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but I just what does not exist yet? That's what as inspires as, me as far as axe handles. Handles uh, and the combination of heads Styles. on handles, just doing stuff my own way. And it's, I don't want to copy doing anyone. stuff so it's, your own way. That's a good answer. Yeah. It's probably, yeah, doing stuff your own way. 
And it's very, very difficult if you're constantly looking at other people's work and like, I don't want to just improve on someone else's work. I want to do shit my own way and I want my stuff to be recognizable for my own work. There you go. There you, there you go. You're up next. What do you got? Oh, uh, let's see. What was your very first axe? It was a plum peeling pattern that I got in Spokane, Washington for $20 at an antique store. I'd never heard of plum. I got on eBay and kind of verified the price, went back to my house, did a little bit more research because I didn't have $20 just to fucking blow. And that's a God's honest truth. And then, uh, I fixed it up, I sanded it, I polished it, I sharpened it, I hung it, and I still have that axe today. And it's above my fireplace. As cliche as that fucking sounds, it's above my <laughs> it's above That's my cool. fireplace. Mine was what about you? a yeah. um Well, do you have an axe? I do, yeah, I have several. Uh mine was a homestead. It says homestead on the back. My buddy Kevin um did like a full restoration on it, probably jeez. It was probably 10 years ago, and it hangs in the shop now. But I don't know what Homestead is. Is that something significant? I don't know. Uh, it's a line by Collins. They, they ran a whole oh. bunch of stuff. Yeah, so it's quality acts. And yeah, it's it cool. just became it became so synonymous. Homestead became so synonymous with Collins that they just – a lot of pieces you find that just have Homestead stamped on the head or the handle. And it's just – everyone at that in that time knew that it was a Collins. Yeah, my buddy Kevin did the. Um, he was uh, went through this axe phase where he was restoring axes and an axe phase. And make he a, gave make me a, this axe make, as a housewarming gift, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" And he used some like beautiful ash wood on it, and yeah. So there we go. Um, what are your thoughts on bluing steel axe heads and blacksmithing pieces? I have actually never blued anything. I know the guys um, do a lot of bluing on some of the fittings and stuff for swords and knives. Have you ever tried bluing on anything? Like listen, listen, people fucking have been hitting me up for years. I even got a I got a question on this goddamn list. How do you make yeah. the heads so black? And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a forced patina. I'm not saying what the fuck I use. It's just not going to happen. But I do use a. Uh, you've tried you've tried gun blowing on axes. I, I, I use and you like various it. finishes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the next one? Uh, let's see. Um, when are you going to have more axe people on the show? It's a great Jesus. question. That's a terrible question. <laughs> I don't know who I just, asked I just, that. I just wanted your reaction to it. <laughs> For the record, when we stop recording, tell me who that is so I can block them on my account, please. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, we'll have more acts. We just had Liam Hoffman, like yeah. the, the youngest axe king in the United States right now. What more do you what, want from us, people? But what's interesting about that episode, yes, he's, he's like killing the axe. Yeah, he's just killing it. Yeah. We barely talked about axes. I mean, Which if you is, actually. That's why it was such a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> We 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 very we talked very little about axes um, because you know it like everyone knows he fucking makes axes. It's, yeah, it's, it's the backstory exactly. that's that's more interesting than the product itself. So when are we gonna? I've got I've to got be a, real. Go ahead. I've got a I've got a guy that I really want to get on here, um, 
and Chris has been really fucking reluctant to bring him on um, because he's an asshole. Uh, so <laughs> it, I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, no, I, I've got an axe guy that I want on the show. Plus, um, to, to bring up a good point, how you, how much can you talk about an axe? Like, there's there's actually proof that just having- stop, just stop. <laughs> I know where the fuck you're going. Just shut your fucking face. This goes to the next question. Does oh Roy have any other insult for Chris besides calling him a fucking asshole? <laughs> like, that's, oh, all, I, that's all I need. That's all, that's I need. all he needs. No, uh, I mean. in all seriousness, the next one was, are you two maniacs ever going to collab on anything? And that's funny that you say that because that's how we actually hooked up and got together was yeah. we collabed on the bottle openers a year ago, I think. Yeah, it would have been it yeah. would have been a year ago, like mm-hmm. this month. Yeah, Roy flew out here, and did you fly or drive? I can't remember. Anyway, I flew. You, I flew. He came out to the shop. We did some forging. He did a lot of uh, uh, like twelve hours of grinding one day on all the bottle openers, and um, yeah, so we have collabed on stuff. But yes, we do have other things in the works that Roy has been on my ass to get done. So yes, we are going to do a collab. So for the record, whenever and you it's going to be want- epic. Whenever he showed me one of those pictures today, I thought, well, finally, he's getting off his fucking ass and nope. doing something. Nope. No. Still out. <laughs> Motherfucker. Jesus. What's the next? What do you got for the next one? Uh, where's the neck tattoo? Uh, <laughs> uh, Thursday. I'm getting it done. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, Thursday. I'm getting it done on Thursday. There's the neck tattoo question. Um, so uh, more, more. Um, more serious do you have uh, any questions that people would care about <laughs> yeah so here, here here's a here's a here's a serious question and this is toward you what's the role of the modern day blacksmith without saying making cool shit oh my god i was gonna That's go great down question. This, i was gonna he he's asked this multiple times on multiple podcasts and um talked about me and Ilya had a long conversation about it it's a great great question and there's a super long answer that you can go on you know i'm not going to give the super long answer but um i think well give us an in-depth answer okay so what's the role of the modern day blacksmith now when 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 you when he says role or just when anybody says role, you could put that into anything, right? You, that context could go into what's the role of the modern day woodworker. What's the role of the modern day, um, ax maker, you know, it's just like, but for blacksmithing, um, I think, uh, the role of a modern day blacksmith is to carry on, like carry on the traditions and the knowledge to the next generation and not necessarily a role as in what are you going to be making, that's going to benefit the world today. I think of it in terms of, um, Ilya brought up a really good point to me today or yesterday when we talked about it was being the next link in the chain of, uh, tradition and craft. And, you know, I think a lot of people get this, uh, misconception that we should be, you know, we're not going to forge a rocket ship. That's going to take us up to Mars. You know, that's not, not, no, we're not. It's weird. <laughs> I think just I think that 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 term role can be, you know, squeezed into anything that anybody's doing. You know, what's the role of the modern 
the modern day woodworker. You know, I've said that again. So uh, how but, would you how would you like the question to be framed so it's not so? No, I think uh, it's a great question and it's framed properly. And I think that, uh, like I said, carrying on traditions and knowledge to the next generation and just letting people know that you can you can make a living with your hands, whether it be woodworking, blacksmithing, sewing, knitting, who, you know, that it could go into anything. So um, I think, I think that in itself is what I find fascinating about blacksmiths because, you know, it, it's such, it's such a grueling, passionate, uh, trade skill set. And it takes a certain person to be able to do it and to do it well, and then to make money at it. Like you add all these fucking layers, and once you get to like an accomplished blacksmith that is making a living, a career out of it, I mean, yeah. that's beyond impressive to me. You know, because it's, it's so the, fucking hard. It's one of the oldest crafts in the world, you know, and the United States is very young at it. You got to remember they sure. were forging 5,000 years prior to us in, in Europe, you know. And um, so, yeah, I think that. Uh, the question is just like, let's keep craft alive. It sounds like a cop out, but it's really not. Let's show the next generation of, uh, you know, the younger generation or the people looking up to us that you can make money with your hands. You can like survive doing this. You don't need to be a computer analyst or an insurance salesman. Mm -hmm. You, you know, I think the, it falls into, I think what, what is the role of the modern day craftsman is a better question. Like, how do you, how do you, you know, make money or make a living or, you know, just passing craft along, I think. Well, it's really interesting in the the time that we're living in and social media. And so a couple of things with that, um, it seems that almost everyone, I know there are exceptions, almost everyone is accessible um, or at least they feel it feels like they're accessible. It makes the world smaller. Exactly. And also with social media, it like you can you can do anything that's entertaining and fun and make money off of it. For example, I saw something on the fucking news this morning. People are living out of their RVs and they're just documenting it. Yeah. Oh, I'm t- taking my kids out to school and Especially, we're in the Grand Canyon today. Yeah. And and people love to live vicariously through accounts. Yeah. So the for tying it back to the modern day blacksmith, if you're passionate and you're creative and you have skills and you're also entertaining, please do not lose sight of the entertainment value in all these things. Cause if you're, you can have all the talent in the fucking world, but if you're like super goddamn boring, no one's like, you have to give the audience something to <laughs> tune into. You're talking about from a social media aspect though. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. like that, that's the world we live in right now. Yeah. I know like, I'm just saying all these things kind of tie in with the modern day fill in the blank. Yes. Yes, you are correct. To, but to yeah, be able think, to monetize it like that, yeah. that's where I'm going. But even if you take that out of the equation, though, say you are the most boring guy in the world. I think the keeping tradition, keeping craft alive. And Ilya said something that was amazing is being the next link in the chain for the you know, for whoever's coming behind us. You don't hear anybody saying my grandpa was a computer programmer. No, my grandpa no. was a woodworker. My grandpa was a blacksmith. My grandpa was a knife maker. You know, those things. Like, keep keep craft alive. Keep tradition alive. And, you know what yeah. my grandpa did? What? He worked at GE his entire life in the 
in the parts department. So my, whenever my dad, my dad built several houses, um, with the help of my grandpa and just family members. So all like all of the outlets were stolen from GE from my grandpa. <laughs> um, and now uh, he's in prison for the rest of his life. <laughs> no, and you know, like one thing that uh, that I find pretty interesting and fascinating about that older generation, my grandpa, um, he 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 dropped out of school in the fourth grade. Um, couldn't spell. Got drafted to go to Korea. Came home. Got a job at GE and worked there until he was 62 years old. Fucking retired. It just doesn't happen anymore. So to be able to, in or today's maybe. world, well, yeah, yeah. And he's fucking awesome. And he's a good-looking motherfucker, too. Um, you so you look nothing like him. That's good to know. <laughs> Next one was, has anyone ever mentioned that Chris sounds like Dimebag Daryl? I don't think I've really even listened to Dimebag Daryl ever talk. But, There's no uh, reason to listen to him talk. I know. You listen it's... to him for the guitar. Oh, yeah. Dimebag Girls, <laughs> uh, the guitarist for Pantera, who sadly passed away. Um, well, let's see. He didn't What's just your... pass away. The... Well, I wasn't going to get into that gunned, dumbass. He got gunned down. What's your favorite piece you've ever created? Oh, my God. <laughs> Roy's really? like the, the most recent one. Really? <laughs> the last one. Get it the fuck out of the door. The last one. Uh, the last one. Yeah. Uh, the... Um, Oh shit! That four and a half foot squid that I did at Matt Harris's two years ago—that was like one of my favorite pieces. That the president of the Maryland Blacksmith uh, Association, the Maryland Blacksmith Guild, bought, and he has it on display at his house. That was one of my favorite pieces. Mm. I came from like looking up to Matt Harris so much, and then he—I got the demo there like eight, nine years later. It's fucking surreal. But yeah, that was one of my favorite pieces. What's your next one? What do you got? Uh, what made you start working with epoxy? Now, this is a good question. This is um, what what made me look start into it um, was all the uh, the live edge slab and river table stuff uh, that I was seeing, and I think that that trend is going to be around for a long time. But I think it's also going to be a trend that's going to sure, end. Huh? I sure hope not. You sure hope it. <laughs> They're like getting so overdone. You said you hope not. I said it's going to end. Oh, I thought you said it's going to be around. Okay. It's go going ahead. to be around for a little bit, but I think yeah. it'll end. And I think yeah. 20 years from now, we'll look back and go, whenever someone's buying a house, if they put a river table in their in their like countertops or something, like, oh, yeah. man, that's so 2020. Like, it's, I, th- <laughs> I just you think remember it's COVID gonna, and river tables? <laughs> I just think it's going to be a, 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 a – uh, it's going to be like a stamp on – a style that we're living in that we can't see it right now until you look back like, you know, like fucking spandex of eighties. Like, Oh my God. I, like, why would you wear that? Did you ever um, wear spandex? Don't I, did, I did. I oh! did. <laughs> and and then the neon so, green with a black no, stripe down the no, side. Dude, listen, motherfucker, I've got a story. Uh, I was in the fourth grade. Okay. My grandma was taking us out school shopping Okay. and I, I wanted these spandex shorts. They were red, and they had red, uh, red and white, uh, like uh, like checkers, like you know, like checker flag going down the sides. All right. I and I go into the change room, put on these spandex shorts, and I walk out. And my grandma was like, "I can see everything in those shorts." <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! So did she, she buy them for you? <laughs> she, she did not let me buy them. And I oh, them so shit. bad. 
Oh, one of them is so bad. But I think I think River. Ta- so going back to why I got started, <laughs> River tables and spandex. Um, because I think it is such a cool art form. Uh, I love the fact that we're saving so much shit wood that would have gotten ground up or burned up. Um, so I just I, the 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 other thing is that it for me the the possibilities are nearly endless of what you can do and how you can accentuate an already cool product, um, whether it's an axe, it's a coffee table, or it's you know a fucking a clock. I mean any piece of wooden furniture. I mean it, it's just really cool with what you can do today. There you and go. And another thing, one other thing, it's not easy to do and it's not cheap. And I think the the guys that can do it and do it well, their work is just like tits McGee beautiful. But again, oh, yeah. I think it's going to have a fucking date stamp on it. What, what do you think about that idea? Like a date stamp? Like Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. are there any things in blacksmithing that you think kind of fall into that category? Uh, No, because there again, you're talking about like, something that's been around forever we're all just copying each other <laughs> we're copying past craftsmen no but, I, I mean, don't i don't think there's anything that's date stamped i think uh refreshing ideas and um you know bringing stuff back to light is so there's nothing down. there's nothing there's not a new technique that's come around in the, let's just say the last five ten years that like kind of everyone latched on to maybe maybe the maybe the dragon twist thing i mean they haven't been doing that for a long no, time no matt matt Harris came up with that thing, that fucking technique. So I keep it very tight to what I do. You know, mm-hmm. I came up with the bottle opener thing and that's about the extent of it, you know, mm-hmm. but the way he goes about it, yes, it is, uh, new and fresh. And me and him have talked about revisiting it when it comes to sculpture. Um, mm-hmm. and we want to build like a really, really big, you know, I, I coined it the Dragon Twist name. That's not the name of it. It's just like what What's he I call used. it? Uh, he doesn't really have a name for it. He came up with it just walking around. He explained the story to us, walking around his creek uh, the morning of the demo and just came up with that idea. What? On the fly yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like wanting wow. to try it and ended up he did this big flower sculpture. And But yeah, I think uh, there's ideas that come and go. And there's a couple guys that are right on the cutting edge of like, blacksmithing and form and function and um yeah so i think refreshing ideas are cool and if you want to keep beating something to death then beat it to death that's all good too what is your first or favorite antique power tool you have Mm. your first or your favorite it can be either or uh probably my bandsaw my delta milwaukee bandsaw it's probably from the 40s or 50s but is it a 32-inch crescent no. bandsaw? <laughs> what are you going to do with that fucking thing, man? Uh, so, oh, yeah, I haven't explained any of that. I think all this is going to come up soon. Um, we bought all this stuff to yeah. fill the building out there. Yeah, tons of shit. We have tons of shit in so one shot. keeping it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're keeping it. Yeah, that's Matt's. Matt's, uh, why, would, why the hell would I want that? <laughs> no, that's Matt's bandsaw. What, what are the uh, power requirements on it? Oh, it's single phase, 220. Okay. Yeah. It's badass, though. It's really cool. Could you put a 110 on it or a 115 motor? It is. Uh, it's single phase, yeah. It's, well, it's, single it's, phase. It has mean, one, 115 or 220. 
Well, you didn't say that. You just said yeah, 220. Yeah, it's a like three-horse, 115 or 220, but I don't know why you'd want to plug it into 110 because it wouldn't have enough ass to – I mean, you could probably do an axe handle, but that's about it. You want me to tell you why you someone would do that? Why? Because they don't have 220 in their shop or their garage. Well, get 220, goddammit. I mean, I'm my, just saying my that's why. My favorite tool is the 1919 uh, Little Giant Power Hammer that uh, my friend Aaron uh, Ayler – Help me out with that was the first power hammer i ever owned and i will own it until the day i die literally really? oh yeah so yeah thank you aaron you know i love you buddy it's my favorite that's my favorite antique tool and i've owned tons and tons and tons of shit but that's my favorite and it's starting to go it's start it's gonna need it it was telling us yesterday it needs to really? tear down and rebuild yep oh, so shit even more of a reason to get the hundred pounder done really i mean yep. come on what's the story on that I just got to buy a part. I just got to buy a part. Still? That, like, that's not, where listen, we still are? Listen, I'm $300. not going to. If you want to donate to the Power Hammer <laughs> Fund, I'm not going to. <laughs> no uh, fucking shame. <laughs> I don't need it. So I just. It not, sounds like you're getting ready to need I'm it. I'm getting ready to need it. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting ready to need it. Um, but yeah, no. It'll, it'll be up. Everybody will know when it's up. Trust me. I'm going to shoot the biggest, baddest fucking cinematic. You thought there was pyrotechnics in this bandsaw oh video? My God, you wait till on. that Power Hammer's just done. Just stop it. <laughs> just stop it, you fucking moron. In a world. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What do you got? Uh, let's see here. Why do some axe restoration air quote companies come across like complete bell ends? Yeah. Well, if someone can tell me what a bell end is, I could answer it. But I, they're probably come. That probably means they're coming across like idiots or assholes or something. Okay. Uh, maybe while I'm rambling on, you well, you can't look it up because you're. I can. Phone. I can. Who asked the question? It doesn't matter who asked it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's an it's a Brit it's a British guy. Ah, so, like that's, that's why, why that's why I can't understand. Um, I got you. So why do they like? I'll answer it as why do they come across as <laughs> like idiot assholes? I'm not gonna say what bell end means, but go. What? Ahead. No, no, seriously, come on, tell me what it means. What does it? What does it mean? The end of a male anatomy part. <laughs> oh my god, come across like complete dicks. Okay. Yep. Heads. Why? Why do they come across like dickheads? Um, there you go. That that you know what that is a really good question, and um, I would like to know the answer of it myself because I don't know. <laughs> Wait, uh, do you think the question was not meant for you? <laughs> he meant to DM it to somebody else. He was looking at your stories and was like, "Why are all these vintage axe guys such assholes?" <laughs> oh Jesus. No. So listen, like. Here, I, that goes with anything. It's not just axe guys. There's a lot well, of guys that come across like assholes. Well, so this here's the here's a larger answer to it. And you're right. It's not just axe guys. I, I think it has mm. a lot to do with like uh, you know you're in the business of finding stuff and restoring yep. it and flipping it. There are pickers out there, and people see someone taking a ten dollar axe and selling yeah. it for five for five hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, I can do that. Well, sure, you could do one, you could do two, but can you do it on a scale that's repeatable and um, is accessible to other fucking people? So that's like I think that's why they come across like all the people across the spectrum of what we're talking yeah. about. They come across as assholes, 
And I think that's a reason why I don't talk about fucking axe head cost very much at all. Because, like, there, there are go. millions and millions of fucking axes out there. I get One it. One million. All right. Anyway, Here we go. On. What's Does your, Roy need your... a booster seat when he sits at a restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck asked that? <laughs> Have you been Does... following me around, Does... motherfucker? <laughs> Does Roy need a booster seat to sit at a restaurant? That's a good one. I like that. It is good. Tell me who, like, seriously, who who asked that? As soon as we stop recording, I'll say. Oh, God. (laughs) 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 Oh, Jesus. No, motherfucker, I don't need a goddamn booster seat. Okay? Um, When is Vintage Axe Works going to forge his own axe? Well, that ties in with the fucking collaboration thing. Yeah. So, I... I, I, I'm going to forge could. his own axes. <laughs> so, yeah, of course, the long-term goal would for me to be for me to make my own. Um, but after talking to Liam and the scale that he's fucking operating on, that dude's on another planet. Yeah. Like it, and he and I were talking on the phone well, to be, before to be, we got him on the interview. Yeah. He was like, "Yeah, go ahead, try to compete against me. You want you want to buy all of this shit?" And I yeah. didn't know, like, the true scale until we were talking to him. Like, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. No, I can't compete there. I don't want to. And and if you want to compete against Liam Hoffman, well, fucking pony up some cash because that's that's what you're going to have to do. What, so what got, were you going to say? Nothing. That was perfect. What do you got All next? Right. How many chicken nuggets can Chris eat in one setting? Because Chris Ooh. eats child you know food. I fucking hate McDonald's. I never, okay. I, I haven't ate McDonald's in like, I, I'm assuming that's what he's talking about. Just chicken, chicken nuggets, nuggets in, in general. Uh, I, I associate chicken. I don't eat chicken nuggets like ever. Fuck you, Ben Snor. <laughs> <laughs> Called out. Called out. Oh, shit. All right. So our buddy Charles wants to know, when are you guys going live again? That's a good oh, question. You know what? That was I fun. Thought, yeah, that was fun. We will do one after the first of the year. We'll start yeah, doing for sure. it again. Yo, yeah. shout out to Charles, too. Charles, you text me more a day than anybody else on the planet with tools. Dude, thank, he, thank, you. He, thank you, Charles. He scours fucking everything all the time. I don't time. know how he has the time. I don't know how he has the time. <laughs> um, so I very yeah, much he, appreciate it, though. Uh, he works at a job. Uh, he works at a, uh, a lumber mill uh, where oh, it's kiln okay. drying. So they actually make whiskey barrels um, oh, or cool. wine barrels. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of time where he's like sitting in the control booth monitoring what's going on. And like, I'm sure he's like ah. a little fast finger slip action. Yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, have you noticed how shitty fucking marketplace is now? I no. You don't get really. on there. i uh, not, not really. No. Matt, Matt was, Matt was telling me about it though. He said there's all kinds of bullshit in there now. Dude, it's like sponsored ads and like yeah. sh- shipped to me. I don't want fucking, I don't want shipped. To ship to, I want so, to be able to drive down 20 miles away from my house and and buy something. I don't want to fucking deal with someone like it's, it's one step away from fucking eBay. It's stupid. So here's the thing that I found out was I did a little more research on it because I was curious about it, and they are number one eBay competitor now. Actually, I think they're gonna they're due to like surpass Facebook Marketplace is making money with all those sponsored ads, obviously, and um, people are leaning towards marketplace now over ebay so it's like threatening ebay's well, market more or less 
you know, 20 years ago, whenever eBay started, it was all used stuff. It, and like, yeah, that's where you yep. bought used goods. Yeah, and that yeah. was cool. And, and it was and like an online that, yard sale. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's what Marketplace was. That's what Craigslist still is. Um, but Craigslist is going to the wayside pretty quickly. But like, I yeah, find people myself aren't using more, it anymore. I find myself looking at it more now because it's it's truly local. Yes, I tried. It, I try to. But what I'm finding out is. Because every, I, I literally used to buy everything on Craigslist. Like uh-huh. I would stay on Craigslist, like all day. Anytime I sat down, I would look at Craigslist to see if uh-huh. I was gonna miss something or try to be the first on the deal or whatever. Sure. Now I can't find like anything on there because people are all transferred over to Marketplace now because the audience what? is bigger. You can type in exactly, or actually, you don't even have to be exactly what you're looking for. It'll just show up random bullshit that you didn't even know you wanted well the whole fucking recommended feature is bullshit um because it's trying to fucking algorithm you into yes it is and a lot and that conflicts with a lot of things that i'm searching for like i'm looking for fill in the blank and i don't want what you fucking recommend i want it i want this exact fucking uh search result and if you don't have it that's fine let me know but don't recommend something else that I don't want a size fucking 10 shoe when I need a size fucking nine shoe. It doesn't work. You know what? I hate to say it, but um, because a lot of people are anti Amazon, especially since COVID and how much money they're making now. Mm -hmm. But Jesus Christ, if it's not easy to just go on and find the exact part. I I hate to say it. And I love small business and, you know, I'm a supporter of it and everything. But goddamn, when you need a motor, like exact RPM, this horsepower, you just punch it in and the next day it's at your door. Dude, it's kinda, like kind of hard to not buy that, that shit. <laughs> dude, so that exact scenario, I bought yeah. a fucking motor, put yeah. it on my joiner in like two days. I yep. got tired of fucking looking for them. Dude, I do it with I know. everything. I, know. I need I like the hate it. stupidest little part for my boat. I can literally go on there and in one second and have it the next day. And like, it's just stupid. But that's the way the world's going. So I guess we have to like conform to that kind of. But still go yeah. buy shit from small business people. Fuck yeah. Amazon. They're never yeah, going to really. sponsor this podcast anyway. <laughs> they won't. Never. Anyway, go ahead. All right. So if you could go back in time, what factory or maker would you visit? That's, that's an interesting Ooh, question. Ooh, that's a good one. So Axe related. Uh, I'm a Kelly guy um, from Kentucky. I'm not from Kentucky, but I'm yeah. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly, for sure. Hands down. In the Louisville time frame. Uh, and if I could a specific maker that's an like oh. same thing you just listed it kelly no but i'm saying like a, an individual maker so like uh, uh, like in any any one person that would be kind of cool to kind of think about also hmm. what, what do you have what do you have what do you have so the colombian um colombian forge tools they were in ohio i think uh they, mm-hmm. they moved around quite a bit they made trenton tools as well um but yeah they had a huge factory in ohio that made vices by the millions throughout the mm-hmm. years and um the factory actually burnt down they had you know they used to make anvils there like forged anvils forged vices everything and when the factory burned down there was uh documentation of just like hundreds of vice parts and hundreds of anvils in different various stages just burnt to the fucking ground but yeah that place in its heyday in ohio would have been amazing to see because it was a huge outfit but there was a ton of um, industrial factories and stuff that were around in the turn of the century that would have just been like, holy shit to go 
to see that. Yeah, now, for sure. It's crazy. Yeah. Kind of like I looked, what we were talking about before. It's like the machines to make the machines like that. Like yes. The huge Dude, fucking operations. That's so funny. So I'm going to go look. I fucking I said that. You know why I said that? Because I listened to those goddamn New Yorkers on their podcast. The handmade guys. Mm. Chris, Chris, Zepp, Paul Pinto and Derek from Alden. They always say it's so funny. It's so funny. They say that shit over and over. And in my head, I just said it's so funny. But anyway, oh, God. I'm going to look at this amazing hammer tomorrow that was made uh, relatively close to where I am in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a Chambersburg and Chambersburg was made in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. It used to be a huge forging outfit. And I looked it up on Google Earth the other day to see if there was remnants of the manufacturing still. And it's like mm-hmm. a fucking it's like a cardboard box warehouse now. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. Yep. Like, why what in history just made us tear all this shit down? It's like, oh, just take like one or two pieces and put it in the museum. No, leave the whole fucking building there. <laughs> so like uh- it's so crazy. Real estate and like corruption and money and just made people like tear all this badass shit down. So here's something kind of cool that you can appreciate. Um, whenever we were in Bangor, so this this also ties into another question that I'll I'll, yeah, parl- I'll, par- I'll parlay it into the to the back end of the Ooh, my statement here. Look I know I'm, fan- I'm 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 fancy. So as fancy. Fuck. Hillbilly um, fancy. <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking dead to me, bitch. <laughs> Go ahead. So we're sitting there uh, on the river uh, in Bangor. Sitting uh, on the dock no, of the so bay. That, just please Watching never do that again. Please never, away. never, ever, ever do that again. So we're actually I left we're, my home. Will you please fucking Georgia. stop? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> So we're walking on, and I headed for the Frisco Bay. (laughs) We're walking on the trail, and there's this huge building, and it's like two buildings connected by a little like breezeway or something, or maybe they're not. We couldn't really tell because it was dark. Um, And it's right next to the restaurant on the water, and it's this, you know, that classic old industrial bright red brick building that's been weathered for a hundred years. Um, and it's got a big freaking for sale sign, like right in front of the river. Uh And so my wife and I were like, how much do you think that would be? Like, if it's X number of dollars, we're buying it, we're buying it and we're moving here and like, that's it. So I was like, it's probably like 200,000, $200,000 because it was pretty run down. Oh, okay. I got you. Then we get online, we look at the listing and Work has been done. Like it's it's a an enormous warehouse. They started drywalling it, putting in fucking lighting, rewiring right. it, and I don't know what the square footage of it was, but it was enormous. It was like two fucking blocks or something. Two million dollars was what they wanted for this building. Dang, but, ain't nobody but, in Maine buying that. <laughs> but but. The potential for that space. I mean, yeah. hopefully, hopefully they don't divide it up and put in like fucking hipster offices and tattoo parlors and all that sort of shit. I mean, come on, just make it like someone needs to do something super fucking cool with that. Um, but so this ties in. So what do you think of the snow and Neely axes or the Amish bottom or whatever? Um, 
What? Whenever Snow and Neely, they they were made out of Bangor, Maine. So while we were oh, there, okay. I was like looking at factories. Like, is this the fucking the factory? Um, because a lot of people said, "Oh, you need to go by the Snow and Neely factory when you're up there." Yeah. Yes, I agree. I looked. I could not find that fucking place anywhere. Yeah, it's I probably- asked. I asked, park a lot now. I asked locals, where's the fucking Snow and Neely factory? Yeah. And they looked at me like I was a three-headed fucking dipshit. Um, they didn't know. So that history is, as far as I'm concerned, is gone. So I don't know what the fuck they're doing. You can go to on Amazon. You can buy Snow and Neely Act today. <laughs> That's all you that need sucks. to know. That's that all you sucks. need to know. I know. But think about how cool that would be owning, like, a huge old warehouse from the turn oh, of the absolutely. century on the river in Maine, like a really cool operation out of there. I mean, nothing you know that what, you would, nothing that you could do lot, or want to do. <laughs> you know, a lot of it, a lot of it is though, they make it, they make buildings like that unattainable to the people that care about them. It's right? true. So they don't market them towards the guys that would actually do something or, or possibly set up another manufacturing business in there they cater to the next apartment complex the next restaurant the next office building the next insurance company i mean we've had several historic buildings in the town that i live in for one we had a huge uh coca-cola factory like old Mm -hmm. school coca-cola factory well guess what it is now they they told them they had to keep it somewhat historic so condos and a brewery exactly that's exactly really? what that's exactly what it is. Yep. Fuck and me. they they kept the entrance of the Coca-Cola mm-hmm. factory, the cool ass brick facade on the front. Everything mm-hmm. behind it is modern and updated and cheesy looking and the condos are like $3,000 a month because you're in yep. the historic Coca-Cola factory location. It's like Jesus Christ, people. Oh yeah. Instead welcome, of making it Welcome to cool. America today. Yep, that's it. That's pretty sad. That's all right. We can still, we can still, there's still ways around different things. Um, like the guys at, uh, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, my buddy, Pat, uh, Pat and Dan, um, sorry, my dog's trying to climb up on my lap and he weighs 160 pounds. Uh, <laughs> no, Pat and Dan at the center for metal arts, they are doing some amazing stuff and, uh, you know, they're keeping that Johnstown location, which was a forging, uh, facility since like the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even earlier than that, where, where steel used to be produced in the United States, and they're keeping that alive. So, yeah, check out the Center for Metal Arts website. Also, they just released their course catalog. Do you have anything oh, I else? Saw it. I saw that you did that. Um, yeah. No, I think, we're, I think we're good on that, and we're good on time. So right um, on. I'd just like to thank everyone that actually Absolutely. responded to could, our question. Um, yeah. We couldn't so. get to all of them, guys, but thank you very, very much. And the next episode you'll be hearing, once again, is going to be with all the makers. We're going to record that this week, and that'll be the last episode of the year. From myself, Chris Cash at Mount Phillip Metalworks, and Roy Scott from Vintage Axe Works. That is a wrap on the Axe and I. Bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. Podcast. Oh my God. Oh my God.